Welcome everybody to our latest podcast series, Reimagining Mobility. I'm here with Thompson Varghese. He's a technical account manager for AVL in the U.S. on the test system side yes, in California. So Thompson, tell me a little bit. You've worked in engineering yep. and now you're working in, let's call it sales, business development. Yep. Tell me a little bit what made you go from engineering to sales, what you like on both, a little bit about your career. Um, so Avial is my first job out of school. So I went to school um, at Michigan Tech up in the UP. And once I graduated there, I got an opportunity to start at Avial as an applications engineer. Um, so I was very excited because um, as my grad school program at Tech, I had to set up a TESOL. Mm. So it was a really good transition into Avial. Um, so I started off doing combustion analysis work. So commissioning IndyCom systems from Avial to do incident combustion work and then transitioned into commissioning our automation software Puma for customers, for traditional ICE customers. It was just uh, setting up Tesla's for them. Um, did a lot of Bobcat work, so end of line Bobcat work for some heavy duty diesel um, customers in the US as mm -hmm. well as internationally for them. Um, from there, I transitioned slowly into the technical sales specialist role, um, initially as a combustion sensor TSS. From there, Fate has it that I transitioned to software fairly quickly, so I started doing um, data management tools, lab management tools for AVLs, so supporting those in the pre-sales phase. Mm. And then I think uh, during the pandemic, I had an opportunity where uh, they offered me to take um, the sales position in the state of Texas, which my wife was very excited about because she's from Texas. So it's no more winter at, Tish at Michigan Tech. Let's go to Texas. <laughs> exactly. Right? Yeah. So, so we transitioned into Texas and. Somehow from Texas also uh, got the um, territory of Northern California. So it was an exciting time. So from engineering to doing technical work to the sales side, I was, it was a good opportunity to learn both sides of the business. In the beginning, I was learning more about our customer facing um, commissioning jobs, supporting the customer during issues and so on and so forth. On the sales side, you see a different side of the business, right? Mm. Approaching customers in the beginning and try to shape their requirements in such a way that um, we can provide a solution that uh, meets their requirement. So it's uh, it's very fulfilling to see both sides of the business. Yeah, 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 makes sense. So as the industry has transitioned, right, or is still in the transition phase, right, from whatever it was 10 years ago, let's say purely IC and diesel-based propulsion systems that AVL is heavily involved with, and then over the last several years, clearly a major transformation and disruption overall. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about it. I mean, you're clearly in one of the most interesting markets, so to speak, when it comes to this, at least up until about two, maybe three years ago, until it kind of swept the rest of the nation. But in California, we've seen this push and transformation into EVs for many years now. Yeah. Tesla is only one example, as many other ones. So tell me a little bit about those trends that you see. Um, it's very different. So when I started, right, I started with the traditional OEMs um, in the industry uh, in Detroit and so on and so forth. Those companies were more traditional. Um, they had standard requirements. They knew what they were doing before they came to AVL to ask us questions about it. What I see in the EV space, in the new startup space, is completely different, right? They are treating this as a software development project. So it's an agile development process. They don't know what tomorrow brings. It's all about solving today's problem and let's solve a problem one place at a time, one problem at a time. Mm -hmm. And if we are failing, let's fail fast. It's a very different mindset and different methodology. So it's a different pace of work. 
it's sometimes chaotic, but it's pretty organized chaos, I would say, the way <laughs> things are in California compared to, say, Michigan, mm -hmm. uh, where, it, where the traditional versus the startup business. So it's very interesting. It's fast-paced, and it's, I think, uh, challenging inside AVL as well to transition into uh, reacting at the pace that the customer is demanding in California mm -hmm. compared to um, having a 500-page RFQ from sure. a customer. That doesn't happen anymore in no. California. If I get a one-page RFQ, that's great. Most of my transactions with the customers happens over text messages, text not even yeah. emails. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's a yeah, whole yeah. different world. Yeah, I mentioned yeah. that to somebody, I don't know, three or so years ago when we were working with a customer. And he said, yeah, I'm sure you get like pages and pages. I mean, not as many as you get from a traditional OEM. I said, no, if I get a text message that's more than a few lines long, yeah. you know, then, then that's good. But again, as you're saying, the excitement there is, is, hey, I need this. I need the ability to test this, mm -hmm. allowing you then to be one degree or another very creative and finding the best solutions yeah. instead of having to say, okay, this is what it says. Well, I don't think this is the best, so, but this is what they're asking for, so I give you. So tell me a little bit about it. How, how has your mind have to change to, to adapt those, to, to those types of customers versus the customers that tell you exactly what they want, but you may struggle at times to get across that, let me tell you, you may actually need more or slightly less or slightly different. So how do you deal with the customers you're dealing with now? Uh, it's a different challenge, right? So when you have a very fixed uh, set of requirements, so it's either you can meet those requirements or you can't, or you're trying to find you know, valid uh, exceptions to the requirements that are stated. So that's a cumbersome process in itself that you have to follow through and it's, it takes a lot of work. Then the other end is when customers are just sending you a picture, saying, I'm on one of these, right? Mm -hmm. So then um, you have to come to the customer with follow-up questions in such a way that um, you're not annoying them. You're trying to get the right information from them. Uh, that changes your perspective because how do you take it internally to our team saying, hey, my customer wants an e-motor test stand but I don't know much more than that, right? So we have to go to their website and figure out what projects they're working on, what are the specs, mm. get a rough idea, and then go to the customer saying, hey, this is what we are thinking, correct us if we are wrong, right? Mm -hmm. That approach, if I go to a customer, say, in a startup company, if I go to them with like a questionnaire of 50 questions, that probably will get ignored. So uh, the approach has been for us, um, of what we've learned, um, is that we should probably make some educated guess for the customer and make some suggestions based on our experience and go to the customer and show it to them and see if we are in line with their requirements and then we can you know iterate from there uh, okay. and then the customers really uh, like that process and yeah. that's been pretty successful for us mm -hmm. in the northern california market so besides the different approach that you just shared which yeah. is very interesting um tell me a little bit what are, let's say, Northern California or California customers and customers in Texas maybe as well that you are responsible for, yeah. what do they do different when it comes to testing versus what you had known when you were working in Detroit? Can you give me a little bit of an idea? What, what differences are there? Maybe they're not differences. I believe there are, but... Yeah, so there are a lot of traditional customers in Texas already, some testing houses, so on and so forth in the San Antonio area. There are some... Um, oil and loop companies out in Houston, mm -hmm. some aviation markets, they're still mature in Dallas. So those customers are more mature customers. Um, they, their requirements are, they would call me knowing exactly what they want, right? If they are, we are, we are having a discussion with them, they know precisely what they want. They are very, um, how do I say it, very conscious of their budget. So they're always trying to see if they can get a used equipment and engineer it. Um, compared to that, the California market is very fast-paced. 
they don't have time to engineer it and build something from scratch or take used parts and figure out how to make it work. They just, time is so important for them mm -hmm. because they're trying to um, move really fast. Mm -hmm. So they are coming to us as the experts in the field and asking us for a solution that we can deliver mm -hmm. instantaneously. So the timing is also very different. So Texas customers do understand that, you know, things like our Tesla would take uh, you know, six months to a year lead time. But in California, they'd come back and say, hey, can you do this in two months? You know? mm -hmm. what, what does it mm -hmm. take to, to get us there? Mm -hmm. So that's the different approach. The pace is different, and that's what I see. There's startups in Texas, too, that behave very similar to mm -hmm. Californian customers. It's just the difference between startup versus, I think, traditional, more mm -hmm. established players in the market. So when we look at California customers, oftentimes I, I, I think of some of the startups and more established ones there that yeah. kind of push this, let's say, over-the-air update yeah. for vehicles, mm -hmm. right? Do we have something similar that they demand from you when it comes to test equipment? Meaning, give me this piece of hardware that I can test an e-mode or a battery, a fuel cell, and then, oh, by the way, I hope I, on a regular basis, consistently get software updates. Is that similar with in, in their mind with test equipment? Um, so over-the-air updates for software, this is something we don't encourage at all because of the safety aspects of um, spinning objects in general. So we try to stay away from it. Sure. But on that similar line, I can give an example. So in my previous role as the TSS for data management, one of these startups um, in the California market had asked us to provide them a data management solution, um, so which we can. So we had solutions for that. So we recommended some, and they wanted that software as a service. So And we're like, oh, no, no, because most of our customers don't want this data to be sitting in a cloud that's shared, and you can you know, yeah, mm -hmm. compromise the data. Everybody wants the data on-prem. And the engineers were accusing me of being stuck in 2010. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that software on-prem anymore. Sure. So, yeah. so, um, so this is a different. Uh, mindset, so yeah. they don't necessarily want to own the software all the time. It's not the exceptions, obviously. So um, it's a different way of thinking how software is yeah. managed. So when you have software as a service, it's expected that updates automatically happen. You're you're managing the software for them on a host or a cloud somewhere. Mm -hmm. So you manage the infrastructure for them, which is very different than our traditional customer base who do not want to do anything with storing the data in a public cloud sure, somewhere. You know? sure. So that, that, that's what I'm seeing. So the, the new versus old mindset, right? Yeah. Not necessarily wrong one way or the other, yeah. just a different culture and thinking. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So when you think about what the equipment with the software, data analytics, data management, all these things, when you see what you're seeing today, what do you see in five years? What do we, where is the industry going in five years? Well, um, it's very hard to predict what's happening in six months from now because things are changing so fast. It's, uh, I, I, I can't predict very well what's going to happen in five years. I'm not in a good position to tell you. Um, but what I can say is I think the aviation trend is going to be, or so the electrification trend is going to be um, strong. Mm. Um, and you will see a lot of development work in different battery chemistry, different kind of battery packs that people are trying to develop to mm -hmm. optimize it for mm -hmm. different applications. Mm -hmm. So I see a lot of that happening. Um, a lot of improvement in the ADAS AD space. Um, there is a lot of investment that I see in the market right now in those space. Uh, so a lot of work is still this industry is pretty nascent right now. So yeah. I'm expecting a lot of investment in that space. Um, E-motor E-axle, that's I think getting to a point where things have matured for some of the bigger players in the market, um, I believe smaller players still have to get there. So um, there's a lot, of, a lot of investment that's going to happen in that space as well. Mm -hmm. 
do you, do you see more of a demand, hey, I need to spin an e-motor even faster, I need to get even more data out of it, so even, you know, faster uh, acquisition times, uh, more involvement of artificial intelligence to immediately, as soon as they get this data, um, use analysis uh, tools and, and give me results and maybe predictive type thing instead of analyzing the data as is, but looking, trying to look forward through AI and other things. Do you see that as well happening? Uh, quite a bit. Uh -huh. So um, in the traditional um, space of e-motor or e-axle testing, that's just catching up in my opinion from mm -hmm. what I'm seeing in the market. But in the ADS-AD space, that's already there. Right? It's very mm -hmm. hard for you to classify the data that are you getting that are like you know terabytes and terabytes of data. You don't have time to do it manually. Mm -hmm. So training AIs to do that quite a bit, that's already happening. Um, but you're seeing that as well with say battery testing, right? There's so much data get, getting created during uh, pack test. You can create a terabyte of data a day easy, right? Mm -hmm. That's a lot of data to analyze. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of um, analysis software that are being used. People are writing their own scripts to analyze through them. We have some tool chains that we offer in that space as well. We have DOE softwares that we allow customers, uh, we use with customers to um, better choose the edge cases so they can test the edge cases and not every single uh, points on the factorial, um, mm -hmm. so um, it's 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 happening there in that space as well. Okay. So California companies, you talked about it before, very advanced in in some of their thinking and and, and what they want to do. Mm -hmm. Maybe relatively speaking, yeah. right? Do you see a big push in your markets and with your customers to try and get totally away with any physical testing and go to purely simulation and model-based testing? Um. There, I think there is, there's always going to be some place for physical testing, no matter mm -hmm. how much you do modeling and simulation. You have mm -hmm. to validate those models and uh, mm -hmm. simulation using some physical data. So um, it won't be 100% there, but I feel like it's getting pushed to simulation and modeling quite a bit. Um, so that's where a lot of the development is happening. And then once they have some, uh, some design, they try it for the physical prototype and validate those models and then keep reiterating that process over and over okay. again. Any final thoughts from your side on where the market is going? It's exciting times, you know. We are seeing new applications right now, anywhere from, you know, these electrified um, air taxis mm. to um, electrified cars to all kinds of uh, cool technologies that are coming out into the market. Exciting times to live in, and I'm excited to work with these cool companies. Very good. Cool. Thanks, Thompson, for your time. Thank you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Reimagine Mobility Podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.